good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you're listening and where you're listening. Regardless, thank you for listening. The show's NXT Talk, where we talk about all things NXT 2.0. And we're your hosts. I'm Boris. And as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Boris, it's fall in Toronto. There's colors out on the trees. It's really nice and fairly spooky right now. Kind of feels like extended Halloween outside. Yeah, it really does. It's um, you know, it's kind of funny. I feel like we're a month behind where we typically should be in terms of weather. <laughs> that's a, yeah, it's a good way to put it. That's exactly. Hopefully, we just skip February entirely. That cold, disgusting winter month, and we just kind of settle into a nice March in March. Yep, and speaking of things we're going to settle with, we're settling with NXT because on today's episode, we're going to recap, review, analyze NXT TV from November 16th, which featured Raquel Gonzalez versus Crazy Kai. It also featured two very character-heavy wrestlers going at it to kick off the show, and that's AOAO, Tony D'Angelo, and Dexter Loomis. We're going to talk about that very shortly. Um, we are going to be talking about war games and the lack of booking, the lack of foresight, the lack of many things that this quote-unquote special event has. And then, Matt, thank God we have NXT UK because on NXT UK Corner, we're going to be talking about the best hour and the only worthwhile hour of WWE TV as we chat NXT UK from November 11th. 2021 how does that sound sounds like a plan buddy uh wildly for it yeah nxt obviously is kind of up and down like i I, the best of times what is it now like a six and a half out of ten seven maybe you know what i mean so yeah at best like and and, then you know again i'm not trying to crap on the show or anything but the reality is this is it's developmental it's 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 a lot of wrestlers with short matches and i think that's Ultimately, what really hurts the show, it's just match length, match inexperience, and these characters are just so over the top. It's not what we're used to in WWE anymore, and it kind of makes me wonder if this is the direction that WWE main roster is going to go in this more comic book, cartoony, feely, because feeling, because Matt, like, let's be honest here, our number one complaint during the Uncle H era of NXT was that a character is well-established in NXT. He's awesome. He or she is awesome. He or she is kick-ass. He or she gets promoted to the main roster. And, you know, Grandpa Vince has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't know this person, doesn't understand their NXT character. He doesn't even know that he's hired them in the past. So there's this huge, there was this huge disconnect between characters. So in my opinion, the entire point of NXT 2.0 was to, you know, kind of assimilate and kind of canonize NXT into the WWE universe. So these characters are essentially just going to be moving up. We have some glimpses of this with Von SmackDown, Von Brown, Von Beverly, Von Wagner. <laughs> You know, so it's going to be interesting to kind of see if a character like a AOAO Tony D'Angelo is just going to move up and be this Tony Soprano character on the main roster. Dexter Loomis, possibly, I doubt he'll ever make it to the main roster, but 
will a character like that be on the main roster? Andre Chase is another one that I think of. Joe Gacy is another one that I think of. Like, is this the future of WWE characters? It really, obviously, it remains to be seen, right? Like, we don't know yet. It's too early to tell. But I think, yeah, I think, like you said, this is the entire point of the new presentation. This is what we're doing here. So I do think we're going to get Tony Soprano on the main roster. I do think we're going to get the weird poker player on the main roster. I'm not sure if we're going to get Cameron Grimes on the main roster. But if these guys are to go up, they're going to keep their character. I think they're going to be the person we see now. And that is the point of it. It's just such a weird concept a developmental tv show if you really break it down and think about it it's kind of it it shouldn't really exist they should develop to get on the tv show yeah and that's but that's kind of where nxt uncle h era of nxt kind of had this weird disconnect because they did set up that nxt to go up against aew right so it was this like you know, pre-AEW and really pre-TakeOver, like when TakeOver became the show to watch on a on a big four weekend, right? Um, It was developmental. I don't think people remember how cheesy and corny NXT was, like when Renee Paquette was commentator and announcing and whatnot, like during 2012 to about 2014, basically when the network launched, it was really cheesy. Was it this NXT 2.0 cheesy? I don't know. It's comparable, though. It's very comparable. But essentially, what ended up happening was NXT became this, you know, too good, too good for its own sake, almost. And you know, then what? Where was developmental? So they had the Florida Loop, where people can learn, people can develop, and then they would be promoted to TV. And then around this time last year, earlier this year, there was talk of launching that Evolve show. And apparently tapings happen and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, we all know what happened in terms of AEW, in terms of Uncle H, in terms of, you know, the move to Tuesdays. And uh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'll tell you the big difference, in my opinion, between NXT 2.0 and what Triple H, even in 2012, 13, 14, William Regal would go around to PWG events and he would scout the best wrestlers. Triple H, he would still have the Enzo Amores and he would still have the vaude villains, yes. But he also had Sami Zayn in there tearing it up and Adrian Neville tearing it up because the difference was, Boris, that in those days, NXT was run by wrestlers who liked wrestling. Triple H, at the end of the day, is a professional wrestler and he loves and respects the wrestling business, as is William Regal, right? Bruce Pritchard is not that. Kevin Dunn is not that. So we're no longer looking for or appreciating the in-ring product the way that NXT used to. That's the biggest difference. It's now all about character. And it's what Vince McMahon wants, sure. But the thing is, the professional wrestling business and WWE as a company would have been way better if they just kept the Triple H philosophy going they just panicked because they arbitrarily decided that triple h had to kill nxt or sorry that triple h had to kill aew and he did not 
So now Triple H is getting all of the punishment and every idea he's ever had is terrible. Like the fact that they've uh, squashed the TakeOver brand, Boris, is insane. That makes no sense. TakeOver, 36 shows, all of them reliable, watchable. They have a brand established. They could sell tickets. They could sell out an arena with it. And they're choosing to kill that name because Triple H equals bad. It's just dumb. No, and that, that just goes to show you how petty, for lack of a better word, petty. You know the 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 corporate head is in WWE. Like it's just like you know, as a wrestling fan and and, and people who listen to this show, like it hurts us to our in our soul because we are wrestling fans first. You know, and and what whatever that encompasses, whether it be character, story, we're wrestling fans. I think people who listen to this show appreciate the in ring product and. And honestly, Matt, this is kind of like where the Attitude Era always kind of makes me laugh because I remember hearing those those stories and those rumors of Vince Russo basically wanting to remove the ring and stuff like that, right? Like, I'm, I'm sure you've heard yeah. stuff like that as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you're watching wrestling because you want to watch good in ring. And I think that's where... You know, the, the, the powers that be right now in WWE are really, really panicking. Where they're so focused on being this entity that creates characters and creates stories that they're forgetting about the in-ring to a certain extent. But then you're not creating good characters. You're not creating good stories. You're not creating anything compelling. So you literally have a NXT 2.0 that is a subpar in-ring wrestling show. With subpar characters and subpar stories and subpar presentation. So really, what are we watching right now? Exactly. And it's sometimes you see like a, a highlight or two. There are a couple things on this show I enjoyed. But by and large, it's like a blind squirrel finding a nut, right? Like like you said, it's bad pretty much all around from any angle, any way you slice it. And the, so yeah, and man, he, that's where we're at. And Matt, here's the thing. I'm not trying to shit on this product. I'm really, we're covering this product. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to hate it, you know? Um, this is the type of stuff that makes me want to walk away from 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 even watching wrestling sometimes, right? Like, I want to enjoy it. But, and like you said, there are, there are you know, little, little glimmers. There are little, little specks of good, but it's few and far in between. But it's just, I feel like they're, you know, for, for, for lack of a better term, WWE right now is losing the plot in terms of what they want to be, where they want to go. If they want characters and they want stories, at least make them good. If you want good in ring, at least give these performers time to give us a good match. They're all professionals for the most part. Um, they can give us a good match. But how are we going to get a good match in two minutes? How are we going to get a good match in a minute and a half? And there's a sleeper hold in the middle of a match like like this. It's just not possible. Yeah, man. Yeah, you said it well. But this is where we're at. It is it is this character factory now. And yeah, I think WWE is long ago lost the plot, but they're not just no, losing of course. it. They, no, they, but that, that plot is not even in the rearview mirror anymore. No, for sure. And and you know, and but let's remember also, there are people who who will watch this, who will like this, who, you know, there are enough people to keep this on the USA network for now. There are enough people to watch Raw and to watch SmackDown and just enjoy the WWE product. You know, there are people who enjoy this and want this, right? Like, 
I, I think sometimes we get lost in our own wrestling nerd-isms that we have to remember there's people who don't listen to these types of shows. There's people who don't know, you know, every wrestler's real name, where they live, where they grew up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> like, there are people who just watch casually. I do, I do not believe that the casual wrestling fan is dead. There are casual wrestling fans. I can name five, six, seven off the top of my head for my own uh, circle of friends. Um, there are casual wrestling fans. There are people who don't give a shit about the behind. There are people who don't give a shit about listening to you and I talk about analyzing the stuff that we've seen for people who have already seen it. Yeah, yeah, there are casual wrestling fans. The only thing is you don't hear from them because they're casual wrestling fans. Exactly. That's the the whole thing, right? But uh, I just do want to uh, point out that I personally don't know where any wrestler lives. (laughs) That's a little strong. But yeah, I'm with you for... uh, I I have to make it dramatic, man. I gotta make it dramatic. (laughs) If I'm going to make a point, I'm I'm going balls deep. Just wanted to clarify that. But hey, do you want to uh, do you want to talk about this here, Sean? Or do you want to waste more time talking uh, about our lives? <laughs> well, you know what? We have a lot to get through. I'm sure there's a lot that we're going to be talking about because, like, I do want to talk about the fact that Matt, in ten days or so, well, in in in, in well, two weeks and a half, I guess, in 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 seventeen days, we have a special event, War Games, and you would think that some of the matches we're seeing in the next couple weeks on TV would have been war game matches. So let's put a pin on that. We're going to talk about that as these things come up. So we might as well, you know, get to business. But Matt, we are the young guns. So there's one last piece of business we have to get to before we talk about NXT 2.0. And you know what that is. Yes, sir. We are done with star ratings, Boris, every week. We like to change it up and produce a rating system du jour. Kind of a jokey thing about the episode. So I don't have an idea right now, although I'm sure we could spin one up on the fly. But do you have any thoughts about this terrible episode of NXT that we sat through? Oh, yeah. Um, we're, I, I kind of want to rate it because th- this is a whole item of discussion that I want to have. But we're going to talk about this when it comes up. And that is Von Smackdown himself, Von, Von Forehead. We should rate each match out of Vaughn Smackdowns. <laughs> All right, Vaughn Smackdowns. It shall be out of five for a Beverly Brothers percentage on this episode. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, you know, unlike other shows on WWE, this show got straight to it. They weren't wasting time like we're trying to. Um, we <laughs> got started right away. Tony D'Angelo versus Dexter Loomis. Tony D'Angelo. Um, you know, had his entrance. Dexter Loomis had his entrance. As he's walking down, there's an easel. He reveals a painting, a drawing, I should say, of Tony D'Angelo, A.O. Gabagool, sleeping with the fishes. Getting the old bada bing, Boris. Yes, got the old bada bing. All right. (laughs) (sighs) Sign number one. (laughs) We, we got to keep a counter sometimes. Yeah, like ding, ding, that's one for Boris. Yeah, so uh, this was, it wasn't a good wrestling match, but, you know, I actually expected worse. I really did. I did too. I, it was possible. It was mediocre. This, I honestly was expecting a train wreck. 
that's like to me that is a horrible side of what you're watching and what product you're being given and the fact that i put myself and mainly i put you through this is 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 just (laughs) amazing because i literally was expecting some of the worst stuff i have to say that dexter loomis is improving in ring as is tony d'angelo aoa gabagool yeah tony d'angelo has like a nice basic style. He does have the fundamentals down. He doesn't panic. He doesn't really even like he kind of screwed the, the finish wasn't botched, but it was a little sloppy, but he kind of kept it together. Like he's confident he's got the tools, but yeah, he's, he's just got to learn. And it, NXT is on the job learning. That's what we're doing here. But the thing is it makes for uh, average to below average matches pretty much all the time, always, every week. And this was one of those. Yeah, it was a quick three-minute match, uh, some quick back and forths, uh, pretty basic in the wrestling move thing, uh, wrestling move uh, cycle. But you know what? Almost everything they did looked half decent. But like you said, the ending was a little awkward. So they were fighting... Um, uh, and and then Tony comes outside, he bails, ends up hitting a jawbreaker in the ropes. He goes outside of the ring, gets the easel. Somehow, the referee takes it away. But then Tony D'Angelo rakes the eyes, and then he does his fisherman neckbreaker. One, two, three. Somewhat clean win for Tony D'Angelo in what three minutes six seconds? Three minutes and nine yes. seconds. Three minutes, nine seconds. So there was an awesome, actually, Tony D'Angelo did throw an awesome belly-to-belly suplex, put Shane Douglas to shame on that one. It was the the classic belly-to-bailey, but uh, Tony D'Angelo did it really well. I thought that was awesome. And yeah, as you said, so uh, Tony's on the outside. He grabs the easel that the painting was on. He uh, throws it into the ring. That distracts the referee. And then he thumbs uh, Dexter in the eye, which is the only heel thing he did. I, I could have used like a low blow as well, or maybe like uh, the classic turnbuckle being exposed. I don't know. They could have done a little more healing, but just a thumb to the eye was all it took for Tony to hit his finisher and pin Dexter Loomis. Like you said, not clean, but uh, I've seen way stronger heel tactics here in 2021. So relatively clean win for Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. Well, this is another point that we're going to be raising throughout the show is does WWE, do the NXT 2.0 writers know what a face and a heel is? A good guy and a bad guy. Yeah, we'll be talking about it. I think they're uh, purposefully blurring some lines here and there. But no, Tony D'Angelo is an entertaining heel. That's his That's his place, and I think we saw that. But yeah, I wouldn't go any higher than two Vaughn Smackdowns out of five on this one. Slightly below average. Not a bad effort. Like, they held it together, but it was a below average wrestling match. It's a 40% Beverly Brothers percentage for us. Beverly oh. Sons percentage. Perfect. All right. So after the match, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams jump Dexter Lumix from behind. They beat him down. Tony shrugs it off, walks away. Um, they perform a code breaker on him, sets up a leaping lariat. Hayes puts boots to him as Trick goes in and he gets the steel chair, um, threading his arm through the chair. They end up doing a pillmanizer on the poor Dexter Loomis. We, um, and then we end up uh, going to break. Yeah, Dexter Loomis's hand shattered. That's his only means of communication, Boris. What's he going to do? Start speaking with his mouth? God forbid. God forbid. 
All right, so back from the break. Johnny Gargano's in the ring. Right before the break, he started running running into the ring. He's now in the ring, gets the mic, calls Carmelo Hayes out for making things very personal. Originally, he just wanted to win the title from him to prove he's better, he says, but he's screwed with his family, and if you skew... If you screw with his family, he kicks your teeth down your throat. He knows Carmelo is still here, so he calls him down to meet face to face. Enter stage right, Pete Dunn. He tells Johnny he didn't need his help last week. Um, Carmelo Hayes ends up coming down with Trick Williams. Um, they mock Johnny and Pete's bickering, and Hayes says he'll keep it real. If it weren't for the A championship, they wouldn't be relevant. Dunn says he's the same age with 10 more years of experience and a win over him, so he wants another match. This is when Johnny Gargano suggests a three-way match with all parties, seeming quite satisfied for this, and uh, that's how we let things go. Yeah, I thought Pete Dunn was... Uh... I don't know if he was going off script is the right word. I don't know how heavily scripted this promo was, but it, I felt real anger in Pete Dunn. Real like, man, like, fuck you. Like, who is this guy? Like, I felt a real F you sense in Pete Dunn, a deep rooted one in this promo. It was, uh, I'm not going to say like Eddie Kingston, CM Punk level, but there was a, there was a certain uh, shred of reality to Pete Dunn's delivery here. And uh, I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of got over with me. Can you imagine how bitter and surly Pete Dunn actually is right now? I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. But he's still like he's still a very young man, and he's yeah, apparently he just put ink on a new contract. So uh, you know, we should see what yeah, his future holds. His but... contracts in WWE are worth so much. <laughs> Maybe he has a no cut. There are uh, no cut contracts. There are no cut clauses somewhere. I think that explains Dana Brooks' job. That's my fan theory. <laughs> and Aaliyah. Anyway. God bless you, Aaliyah. But... Uh, dear, dear sweet Aaliyah. Yeah, no, no shots no shots at Aaliyah, at least for me. Oh, just unlike another competitor who I can't believe I'm going to have to watch at War Games. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> All right, we get a um, quick graphic about the Cameron Grimes do cuts in Poker Showdown, which we were so looking forward to, at least I was. Matt was not originally. Um, less, then we see the less so me. Yeah, much less so. Then we see the diamond mine warming up backstage. Malcolm Bivens hypes them up ahead of tonight's six-man match. Joe Gacy, the man, interrupts and says he enjoys seeing a group of people unite under a common bond like Diamond Mine is. Bivens says if Gacy wants to join them, they have a tryout in a few weeks, but it'll cost him almost 900 bucks. Bivens hands his card to Gacy and tells him if he wants a shot, just holler at him. Holler at him. Gacy says that... That's what he wants to hear. He thanks Bivens for the generosity. The Diamond Mine, Diamond Mine walks off as we go to commercial. Uh, Bivens is awesome. Please give this man a microphone every week. It will improve the quality of this show dramatically when he's speaking. I, uh, as per usual, the Diamond Mine is one of the few things that they've gotten right. Uh, he, they debuted, I think, under Triple H and were basically nothing. And as soon as they hit NXT 2.0, this group really came together. So that is a success story. Them and Braun Breaker are the two success stories of this brand. And Von SmackDown. And Von SmackDown. And to a, to a lesser extent, Grayson Waller. We'll get into him too. Yep. 
All right, back from the break, we get a backstage promo from L.A. Knight. He talks about how he feels like the uncrowned NXT champion and goes on with some threatening words for Grayson Waller, who he plans to beat the brakes off of. This was a great promo. I didn't know justice to this promo, but I really enjoyed this promo from L.A. Knight. Yes, best thing L.A. Knight's done in a long time, and he was you can tell he was motivated. This one was this was real to him, damn it. I'll, I'll, I'm for sure about that. Uh so my, my thing with LA Knight here is he obviously shouldn't be in NXT, but now that he is, he's always, he's kind of doing whatever he can with what he's been given. You know what I want to see happen to LA Knight? I want to see him added to Dolph Ziggler and, and Robert Roode and be like a stable of like those mid-card for life heels. The dirty dogs could add one or two more, you know, throw middle, in, uh, throw in LA Knight there. The MWO, the middle world order. <laughs> mid-card world order. I love it, brothers. <laughs> I made that up right on the spot. I'm hilarious. All right. <laughs> Jesus. Here we go. All right. I'm trying to keep it normal. All right. Time for the keep, next keep match. Tight. Diamond Mine, Brutus Creed, Julius Creed, Roderick Strong versus, oh, I hate saying this name, Jacket Time, <laughs> Eichmann Jiro, and Kushida with Odyssey Jones. It's actually like I rarely get embarrassed watching wrestling, but like watching like them come out with their dumb theme and like it's just like ah I just like watching that with my roommates going like oh man this is my life like actually kind of embarrassed to be watching wrestling something like we're all comedians too we all do stand up and we all like laugh at wrestling anyway in the best of times but this was just like ah oh, man it's and it's such a disservice to Kushida who is such an incredible performer it's just so ridiculously stupid oh yeah. god I hate it I hate it so much yep. Also, why is Odyssey Jones, and I, I say this every week that this that these two come on screen, why is Odyssey Jones feuding with the Cruiserweight Champion? That's interesting. It's an interesting choice. I uh, I think Roderick Strong should just be having good matches against Cruiserweights. It's such a classic WWE thing, but it's kind of working for me. I kind of am enjoying it because it's, it's telling both stories. Like, Odyssey Jones is learning how to wrestle by learning how to outmaneuver this guy and Roderick Strong is so goddamn good that he can beat a man 250 pounds heavier than him. So you know what's you know what was it, very impressive? His Olympic slam on or him being Roderick oh, Strong's Olympic slam yeah. on Odyssey Jones in this match. Oh my God. I I uh, I like yelled out loud like oh my God like yeah he is he is incredible. That was that was something Kurt Angle wishes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so after that Olympic slam, Jacket Time ran into. Can't believe I just said that again. Jacket Time ran interference. Uh, they kept the Creeds away. Odyssey ends up giving a huge, big boy crossbody onto Roderick Strong for the one, for the two, for the three, for the win. In eight minutes and forty seconds, Jacket Time and Odyssey Jones defeated Diamond Mine. So, unfortunately, in Canada, we got, like, the picture-in-picture oh, picture commercial, which we don't get picture-in-picture in, picture in Canada. So, we I missed, like, four minutes of this eight minutes and 40 seconds. Odyssey Jones wins with a cross-body block. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, fun finish, but I missed half the match, so I couldn't go any higher than two-and-a-half Vaughn Smackdowns out of five. It's a, it's a Mendoza line, 50%. Uh, it, was, uh, it was entertaining for what it was, but I'm it was just as typical... As typical a WWE match as I've seen. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I would give this one three. I honestly thought it was better than the Mendoza line. 
Well, fair enough, sir. That's why we. That's why we are two heads better than one. And it is. Have we figured out what we're renaming the Mendoza line? Is it the Dolph Ziggler line yet? No, Dolph Ziggler. I think all things considered, slightly above average. I, I'm still, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. The we'll Brooklyn, get the perfect name. The Brooklyn Brawler line. <laughs> I don't know. He's a little too beloved. The Brooklyn Brawler. The I Brooks don't know. Jensen we'll line. The Brooks Jensen. Brooks Jensen is improving. He is. He's no longer noticeably the worst wrestler I've ever seen. Yeah. Anyways, anytime we get to uh, rate a match zero, it's going to be known as the big old Cora Jade. <laughs> that is just rude and uncalled for. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Jacket Time and Odyssey Strong, or Odyssey Strong, Odyssey Jones uh, celebrate as their music hits. Creed Brothers uh, go into the ring. They're with Roddy Strong. Everyone stares at each other as we go to replays after this honestly this might be my favorite new characters for like in general and that is your nxt tag team champions grizzled young veterans they're backstage with replicas of the nxt women's tag titles they're on the phone with zach gibson's grandmother telling her they won the nxt nxt tag team titles for her they end the call as they tell her they have business to go handle gibson tells james drake that this should guarantee him a large chunk of the inheritance they walk off, and we then we see a whiteboard with a plan drawn up for what they're calling Nanacon 2.0, which is apparently <laughs> a scheme to get Grand Ma's inheritance. Yeah, this was fun. I do like these shyster, grizzled young veterans characters. They're they're like three for three now, or two for two, or whatever it is. Every time they've been on screen, they've uh, it's worked for me. I just wanted to just minor minor correction. They weren't replicas. They were the real women's tag team titles, which would be paid off later in the show. True, true. I it, when I, I never cha uh, changed my notes. Yes. <sighs> Three. Oh, this! Oh my lord! This promo! Oh, <laughs> ah, I hate. It. I, I I know where we are at the notes. We're, this is MSK, isn't it? Oh, yep. I hated this thing for yep. us. Oh my god. Yep. Yep. <sighs> So, I, 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 I'm siding with Izzy's dad. <laughs> I think it's time to get MSK off my TV. I would boo the shit out of them too. And maybe, Boris, that's what this is for. Maybe this is a purposeful tank of the characters. Because this is the worst Dude, where's my car impression? This would have been bad in 2001. This is terrible television in any era. Uh, they're they're trying, but I can't even say they're doing it. Like, I wouldn't even say good effort. <laughs> they, it, it is a visible effort. I don't know. I don't want to hate these two performers. Wow. They're awesome in the ring, but they should really lean into the heel turn after these, like, tire fires. These tire fires that are these segments. Four. All right, MSK traveling to finally meet their shaman. They go through security with their supplies. They're going back and forth, concerned about their supplies and who's going to be holding their supplies. Supplies are all good. They get a flight upgrade, food vouchers. They finally land at their destination. Their shaman is a master of tag teaming, according to Wesley. Nash Carter hushes him before he can say anything else about the shaman. They rush off to meet the mystery man, go to the ring, 
that is it. That's literally all I can muster up in terms of notes about this. <laughs> okay, so let's just talk about who you think the shaman might be. Uh, he's got to be a tag team wrestler and probably 420 friendly, <laughs> Boris. So I think Rob Van Dam is maybe like an outside shot. Uh, it's also highly possible they don't have a plan and they're just going to introduce what a if, new character. Or, what if, you know how I'm constantly talking about the merging and the canonizing, the canon of the main roster in NXT? What if yes. it's Matt Riddle? That's a good call. I hadn't even thought of that. You know what? I hope it's Matt Riddle. I think that's a really good call. It should be Matt Riddle. He should be the, uh, the czar of this MSK team here. If it's Matt Riddle... Screw you, Izzy's dad. I'm Team MSK again. <laughs> As of right now, I am Team Izzy's parents. Yeah, I, I, this 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 act is just oh my god! It is like I I don't even know. I don't even know what you'd call it. It's like the worst half baked, the worst possible version of Dude Where's My Car, which is itself a terrible movie. You know what like, this is? Just- you know what this honestly is, Matt. Uh, number one, I hope Izzy's parents are n- never, ever get a clip of this. Number two, you know what this is honestly is? This is 60-year-old people thinking what they know about weed and weed culture and 420 and getting high, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much exactly what it is. That's what's playing out on our screen. And it's as bad as you think. It's as bad as it sounds. It's worse. It's worse. All right, Andre Chase, Zion Quinn. This match was short, but this match was actually quite entertaining for the time that it was given. I really enjoy the Andre Chase character. As cheesy as it is, he's a low-level Shane Douglas, uh, Chris Nowinski wannabe, but he's getting the job done. I'm liking his little section. And Zion Quinn looks pretty damn good. Yeah, Zion Quinn's getting a getting a big push here. He's getting uh, slotted with uh, uh, Legado del Fantasma pretty strongly. I love the Andre Chase character too, man. The performer behind it is really good. He's bought in a hundred percent. He believes, or you get the sense that he believes it when he's on screen, and that matters a lot. I really like Andre Chase, and I agree with you. In my opinion, this was the best thing on the show so far. This was my favorite thing on the show so far. Anyway, like you said, three minutes and six seconds. Zion Quinn wins with the jackhammer because he is now the handsome Goldberg. Yep. This was your favorite thing up to this point. My favorite thing on the entire show is coming up right now. (laughs) Post-match. So. Zion Quinn well, wins. I think the post-match, I, I, sorry, I think the post-match definitely factors into the yep. rating of this That's... overall package the way we do it. So please take it away, sir. That's why I was already going there. You didn't need to stop me, old man. Anyways, post-match, Joaquin <laughs> Wild, Raul Mendoza run Joaquin Wild on Zion Quinn. They attack him. They beat him down onto the floor. Zion Quinn starts to recover like a good face would. He fends them off and then... Santos Escobar lives. The better Andrade is back. He blindsides him from behind. All members of Legado del Fantasma hold Zion Quinn up. And then Electra Lopez comes back. She tells Zion Quinn that nobody turns her down before they slam him on the steel head first. 
And Santos looked very happy with himself. I was up. I was clapping. I was happy. Screw you, Zion Quinn. <laughs> uh, sometimes you got to just educate the people, Boris. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just got to sell our gimmicks sometimes. Oh, you know but I'm yes. <laughs> you know I'm joking. But uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I'm glad that Santos is back. Uh, better than ever. I knew, I wish I could have bet money on the fact that you'd take a shot at, uh, at Andrade here, that he would catch a stray bullet from Boris. I knew it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I thought this was awesome. And uh, yeah, factoring it into the uh, match, uh, you couldn't call this a below average uh, wrestling package. I would go three Von Wagners out of five at least. And actually it was like a three and a half four gimmick but uh, the match was a match you know so we're going we're total package we're going three out of five it is a 60 percent fargo percentage on this one don't you know boris yep yep you know what's funny i'm pretty sure this is the second time we've used von wagner as a rating system in some shape or form in like the past few weeks <laughs> oh really yeah as That's soon as funny. he said the fargo percentage i'm like oh yeah we've used this already oh <laughs> well, we just can't quit you von Yep, we Vaughn love them. <laughs> terrible, absolutely we... <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. All right, so still to come, Cameron Grimes, do cuts and poker showdown back from the break. Some backstage reporter is uh, talking with Raquel Gonzalez. You like you, you know? I'm still continuing this gimmick. You know, it's like you know. I think I think it's time to bury the hatchet. I think nope. I don't know if we I don't nope. know if it should stretch multiple weeks. Not, yeah, it's stretching multiple weeks. Long term storytelling. <laughs> it's stretching. Boris is getting upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Mackenzie Mitchell is backstage with Raquel Gonzalez asking about tonight's main event. Gonzalez hasn't uh, hasn't had a good night's sleep since the night before Halloween Havoc, where she dropped the NXT Women's Title, which was part of her, but one shovel shot by Kai, and now she has to watch Mandy Rose walk around with the title. She says that she will still take care of Rose later, but she goes on about how Kai has always been jealous of her success. She tells Kai to bring that shovel tonight because she will bury Kai with it. And they did. They did bring the shovel tonight. This is a, a very, very heavily scripted promo. Classic Raquel Gonzalez. You, they, it's a heavily scripted promo. You can see she's reciting lines, but she's not terrible. It's just heavily scripted. I don't blame her, but they, they aren't ever really great promos because you can just see, you can just hear the WWE speak. Yeah. You, oh, you know exactly when it's WWE speak. Like, and again, like, I, I, it's how hard is it to produce this stuff? Because, like, after you write something and you look at the script that you're going to give someone, and if you're going to script them word by word, read it back, ask someone, ask Kevin Dunn, ask Pritchard, ask anyone. I don't know what the process is, but do humans speak like this? Exactly. Just that's a basic question, a tenant of dialogue that should be asked at any time pen goes to paper. I agree. Oh yeah. man. So so next we got a poker game for 15 minutes. I actually thought they did a good job with this, but boy it went a little long, didn't it? Uh yeah. So yeah, because I fast forwarded through half of it. So yeah, it probably went longer <laughs> than it should have. Um I like I, I skipped through like the first half because you know a lot of it was kind of like uh, uh you know you knew exactly where they were gonna go with this at the, especially at the beginning. Um but, but yeah, all right, so we're informed that this is no limit Texas Hold'em, and they even explained the rules, Matt. 
Yeah, and that took a while. Like, if you, if you know poker, you don't need the rules explained to you. And if you don't know poker, they did not really make it clear. It was just kind of raced through and jumbled. And I yeah, wish they, I could it wouldn't make sense to you. Yeah, I wish I could show you my notes because this is literally what it says. And this is going to be my one F-bomb of the episode. Fucking WWE explaining poker rules better than they do half their matches. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, how bad is that? And again, I'm honestly, I'm trying so hard not to sh crap on this company. But they do some stuff that just, like, makes my mind hurt. They do stuff that not even the lady friend would do to me in terms of mind-boggling what the F-isms. <laughs> oh, man. And this is a poker rematch, Boris. This is the second time these guys have played poker. So they really love this this uh, pairing here. Yeah, they do. All right. Hudson says luck is for losers. This may not be his poker room, but this is his ring, and he's going to make Grimes his bitch. Ooh, he said bitch. Yeah, the B word, Boris. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to go blow by blow by this? Basically, what no, happens no. is... Yeah. yeah Cameron says those are big words. Everyone here can see he's nervous. Um, yeah, so essentially... It's a game of wits here at this point. Duke Hudson remembers what Grimes did last week. Grimes is kind of playing it off. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, I love this character of Grimes um, because as much as I feel everyone in management, the powers that be, is trying to bury him, he's just going with it. He is going with these horrible characters that he's being given, these horrible lines, and man, honestly, you know what made this segment? The crowd. The crowd was so into this for a freaking yeah. poker game. Well, Grimes, Grimes and Duke Hudson did a really good job with this. They're both actually really talented. Duke Hudson is very, very good on the microphone. He's He's got something for sure. And Cameron Grimes is great. Cameron Grimes will not quit. This show is in the absolute shitter, Boris. Every match is pretty terrible. The promos are pretty terrible. William Regal's not even on screen anymore. Triple H had a goddamn heart attack. But Cameron Grimes is in there taking swings Every week, man, he is trying. He's working his ass off. Man, it sucks that he's here, but you got to respect the work ethic. And he's always, he always delivers. He always yeah. delivers. All right, so back to the game. Grimes essentially has horrible cards. The bets are going up and up and up. Duke, at the end of the day, at the end of the river, has a 100% chance of victory. Cameron, despite having zero chance, is a cocky cocky man goes all in before asking hudson if he has balls the size of raisins or cantaloupes duke loses his mind over grimes smile and accuses him of having a flush just like last week because he has that same smile he says and then cameron says if he's so sure he should make the right call and fold duke says he won't get got and he folds so then Cameron Grimes wins by bluffing. I think that's the first time we can ever say that in professional wrestling. You're a winner by bluffing, Cameron Grimes. <laughs> that's true. But it is worth noting that this wasn't necessarily the end of the game. 
until until uh, Duke Hudson flipped his lid here, the the game should have theoretically continued. But yes, this one the one winner of this hand was via bluff Cameron Grimes, and then yeah, it was I, I actually really liked that they at least they did the bare minimum of if you're gonna do two poker games, Boris, at least have the second game play off of the first game. Well, so they did the bare minimum there. So they actually had Cameron Grimes's hand. They had poker psychology based on the previous match. Yes. Now, um, yeah, Hudson goes crazy. He power bombs Cameron Grimes onto the poker table. Wade Barrett is fantastic throughout this entire segment. Duke goes under the ring, gets a toolbox, pulls out a hammer. He says no to the hammer. He wants the scissors. He goes back into the ring, hacks away at Grimes' hair and beard with said scissors to end the segment. So this feud got real there at the end. I think that's a pretty big step for this character character to take. And uh, yeah, so I want to see Cameron Grimes out for blood next week, and I hope they get a really good long match, probably at War Games. Like I would, that's a huge it, move be, to cut will off. It be, will it be though, Matt? Will the match be at War Games? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> it's you, you can't make hide nor hair of this booking, Boris. You would think that yes, though. You would think so. Like, considering and, and we'll play considering yeah. that we are getting two title matches next week 10 days before war games well i think we're getting one i think tomaso champa's match is non-title and i haven't we heard that johnny gargano's contract expires december 3rd because nxt war games is december 5th so that is why i think they're doing this nxt North American title match. I think Johnny Gargano is going to lose to Carmelo Hayes in that match. Uh, and Pete Dunn versus Melo rematch. That's going to be your takeover. Uh, not takeover, sorry. War Games match. Yeah, we'll see. Anyways, we'll move on. Kyle O'Reilly is backstage. He rolls up on Von Wagner, Von SmackDown, Von Beverly. And he says he saw him on SmackDown, but he's not worried about it because they work on Tuesday nights. Wagner says he's ready to hand business, and we go to break. Now, it was a promo. It was a quick little thing. Um, yeah, and it was time for a babyface versus babyface tag team match, Boris. Yeah. Briggs and Jensen versus Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner was your next match. And I was really surprised about this match because I expected the exact opposite of what happened, man. It kind of felt like Kyle O'Reilly was getting phased out here. Kind of felt like, especially because Von Wagner showed up on SmackDown by himself. But O'Reilly and Wagner kind of dominated this match in one in five minutes. Yeah, that that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Uh, O'Reilly and Wagner win by pinfall with a butterfly neckbreaker from Wagner on Brooks Jensen. I was actually very shocked considering the amount of promos that Jensen um, and, 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 and Briggs have been getting, considering that we both think that Kyle O'Reilly is on the outs, considering that Von SmackDown is on SmackDown. Crazy, crazy booking. 
Very much so. So yeah, this one surprised me. I was it was a five minute quick little WWE style tag. But yeah, I think Brooks Jansen has improved to the point where he's no longer like tripping over his own feet and like noticeably nervous. He seems confident in there. He did a little jiggy do dance. Uh, there was a lot of bear hug in this match. It appears that Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs now use the bear hug. So that's a thing. That's a thing. All right. All right. How would you rate this match? Uh, we're going to go average WWE tag for what it was. Kyle O'Reilly's still very good. You know what I mean? Maybe even that's too much credit, but we're going to go Mendoza line. Two and a half Von Wagner's for his own Von Wagner match. It's a 50% Von Wagner percentage Von Wagner. <laughs> All right. After the match, Imperium cut a promo backstage about how Kyle and Von are getting better, but nobody can challenge them for the tag titles. And I have to say, you know what my favorite part about Imperium promos are? What's that? Subtitles. <laughs> Definitely. The uh, I, I like you said, this is supposed to be a live show. So I imagine there's a man on a typewriter back there just absolutely going to town, just losing it. Why is he using a typewriter? I don't know. You'd think he'd use a laptop. Anyway. <laughs> I just thought of that. <laughs> I just realized I said typewriter like I'm 70 years old. Where did that come from? You want your gin and tonic there, old man, grandpa? <laughs> I, I would love a gin and tonic right now. I love now. gin and tonic, actually. Like... I can go for one right now <laughs> as right? we continue Especially talking about... about this show. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> All right. Indy Hartwell. That wasn't a sigh. That was more of a let's get, let's get back to it. All right. Indy Hartwell. Persia Perota are outside of the trainer's room, worried about Dexter Loomis. Persia tells Indy uh, that she's got this and go be with her man. Yeah, so I like this. This is pretty cool. Like, you can see they're not giving up on the Indy storyline, but they're also putting a lot of stock into Persia Perota. They really like her because she just went out and... Superman these hoes two on one bars to quote the great soldier boy. Love it. <laughs> Back from the break. That's five. Um <laughs> oh, lashing out with Lash Legend. Lashing I didn't mind this. This wasn't Lash. so bad. Like I hated every second of this. <laughs> oh uh, I uh I, I do think that Grayson Waller is he's a heel. He's a he's like a bad guy. But I thought LA Knight was the heel. So is that is LA Knight going babyface or are they going heel versus heel? This is where your heel face, do they have any idea what they're doing? I think you have a case, Boris. You think? You think? This is one of the yeah, one of the many examples. Like who's who's good, who's bad, who's <sighs> how many licks does it get to the center of a Tootsie roll? Um, geez, I just don't even know anymore. I don't even know what the hell's going on anymore with this show. Lash Legend, lashing out with Lash Legend. Ugh, yeah. Man. Uh, All right. So she brings out, she brings up how Kay Lee Ray had the audacity to interrupt Toxic Attraction's recent celebration. Also, Lash Legend, face or heel? We've debated this already. Yeah, I think cocky, uh, sassy baby face. 
All right. She's interrupted by Grayson Waller walking in. Lash isn't impressed until Waller says he has some tea to spill. He brings up how La Knight said he hasn't paid his dues to become a NXT superstar. Waller insults the Indies journey and how veterans have sacrificed to make it to WWE when all he had to do was survive on a reality TV show and WWE came a calling. Waller says the idea of achieving a boyhood dream is dead, except how many likes and follows you can get now. Waller says people in the locker room keep asking whose game is it, but don't be mad because the game has changed and it's his now. Waller walks off. Lash says that's all the time we have because the tea so, was spilled. Yes, the tea. Indeed, it was spilled. So this Grayson Waller, he started off as generic Jeff Hardy, uh, Steve-O kind of character. Uh, now he's added a little bit of uh, he's like half Jeff Hardy, half Miz with like a sprinkle of Zack Ryder. He's like a social media slash Miz kind of I've been on a reality show. I'm better than you heal. So. Uh, interesting take for this Grayson Waller character. I guess, I, I don't know how you could see him in the ring and think, well, this guy should be a bad guy, but Hey, it's, it's far from the dumbest thing they're doing on the show. So we, we shall see. We shall see. So how did you describe him? He is, he started off as just generic Jeff Hardy. Now he's half Jeff Hardy, half Miz with a little pinch of Zack Ryder on there. Yeah. With the wrestling skills of iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> that's bold he's definitely far more athletic than, than iron mike sharp was god bless his soul <laughs> uh so anyways so that was uh lashing out with lash legend <laughs> not that bad i kind of enjoyed was, it in my opinion boris hated it. Uh, I, it look i don't i don't even know anymore what i like or don't <laughs> like i'm so confused in life matt oh <laughs> uh. All right. How did to- you feel about Persia Piranha squashing bitches? <laughs> Don't make me- <laughs> that made me laugh so much that my shoulder just like kills right now. All right. Oh no. So Persia Piranha right. handicap match because Indy's looking out for her man. Uh, apparently, <laughs> these people were called Gabby Stevens with a PH and Jenny Jenna Levi. Yes, Gabby Stevens and Jenna Levi, 2v1 beatdown. Persia Parada lays the hurt, hits a double Samoan drop like a young Michael Elgin, and uh, wins oof, with her oof, sit that's out. That's it. Oof, oof. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. We could probably find a better example. But, uh, like Tamina. Yeah. Like Tamina. Oh, true. She does that. Yeah, you can tell how much main roster I watch. I, I've seen more ROH 2010 than recent WWE main roster. But yeah, uh, yeah, she wins with her sit out at five thing in under two minutes. Uh, this was fine. It wasn't quite Yokozuna, but uh, it was pretty good. Yep. Robert Stone was at ringside. He applauds. And uh, God bless you, Wade Barrett. God bless you, because they talked about the accolades of the Robert Stone brand, and they were only able to bring up Aaliyah, because Aaliyah is literally <laughs> the only person who survived getting cut from the Robert Stone brand, Aaliyah, not Jesse Camilla, not Frankie freaking Monet, not Mercedes Martinez, Aaliyah, Aaliyah, Insane. Aaliyah. Again, bless Aaliyah, Toronto girl, no shots taken at Aaliyah. But if you look at those names, it is, it is not what you'd expect on paper. 
All right. Some backstage reporter who has blonde hair, goes by the name of Mackenzie Mitchell, is with Dakota Kai. She laughs about her friendship with Orkel Gonzalez. Kai, crazy Kai, says she's been lost in her head since that night. And the only way to purge that is to get rid of the past. And that begins with ending Gonzalez tonight. It all started at Halloween Havoc, and it ends tonight. Toxic Attraction walks up and stares Kai down. Kai says... Uh, NXT Women's Champion Mandy Rose owes her twice. Kai storms off. Grizzled young veterans walk up, give the NXT Women's Tag Team titles back to Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, who think they are pathetic. They lie about what happened to the belts, and Zach Gibson gives some lie-telling advice to James Drake. I thought this was pretty fun. I definitely... I, I think... The, uh, you can't have the other heels already shit on grizzled young veterans. That makes them way too goofy. You know, I think the other bad guys should kind of believe their bullshit. But that's a small nitpick. I thought this was I think, pretty good. I think differently. I think the faces should always believe their bullshit and heels, you know, because they'd be healing together. They're the ones who don't believe them. But, but then your faces look... Stupid, which happens well, all the WWE. time. In WWE. I think the, the this baby is my faces w- should be. This is my WWE cap. I think. Oh yeah, that's fair. That's fair. If you're wearing, if you're wearing the Kevin Dunn cap, then you're right. That's exactly what it should be. Well, if I'm anyways, I'm not going there. <clears throat> all right. Sorry about <laughs> that. NXT champion Tomasa Ciampa. God bless you. He's backstage sitting on a chair, talking about how he defends his title in the UK, the US, everywhere, and that everything else he's done in the past two, about everything he's else he's done in the past two months. Ciampa goes on and says there's a lack of integrity and respect in the locker room with his with this new crop of talent. Ciampa stops speaking and says, screw it, he will address everyone in the ring, sends the chair flying, storms off as we go to commercial. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, halfway through his promo, he's like, what am I doing? I'm just going to talk to these people directly into the ring. I like it. A little setup. Tomasa Trompa can speak for five to ten minutes on every program. It would only improve it, much like Malcolm Bivens. Yep. Back from the break, we get a vignette on Casey Canzaro and Caden Cutter. They're the life of the party. They're bringing the party to everyone. That's literally all I wrote about this. Yeah, they like going to uh, to concerts. Basically, they are rave girls. It yep. was uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, hidden subtext here with uh, drug culture uh, with this NXT or this NXT 2.0 program. Uh, so we have a weed team and now we have an MDMA team. Boris, it's going we're popping off here at NXT 2.0. No wonder they went with the rainbow color scheme. I might need to take some in order to watch the show sometimes. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Tomasa Ciampa. His entrance, mic in hand, he calls out Carmelo Hayes and says he knows that if he takes a shot in his direction, he's going to miss. Then there's bitch-ass Grayson Waller talking about how working the indies like it's a bad thing and he's above that. Uh, Well, he's got an idea what he can do with his hot dog. Then there's Tony and then enter Braun Breaker with two Ks. He bets Tom can't stand that there's a new crop of talent around, but that means nothing to him because he's the only one he should worry about, and he's going to run through him and take the NXT championship. Champa is mock-impressed and says somewhere there's a guy in a truck who could pull up footage or the ending of their match from Halloween Havoc. This is literally going to be my line 
of the week. And that's when Tom rolls the footage and says that he the way he sees it. And he says Braun has less than a 33 and one third chance of ever taking the title from him. And you can bark up the tree, bark up the tree all you want, but you're just a puppy and he's the NXT champion. I, I really like that. I also really like Braun's reaction to that. He kind of like laughed it off and he's like, okay, he's like you could see him basically thinking like, okay, motherfucker, like, okay, let's go. Like yep. you, yeah, like that was funny, but also keep my family out of your name or out of your mouth. Anyway, I really like this yet again, everything they've done with Braun Breaker has been good. Uh, everything Tommaso Ciampa touches turns to gold. Uh, Breaker is by far, by far, by far the number one success story of this brand. And if nothing else, if they create a star out of it, that's fine. Then, then they've done something right. Do you remember when we thought Ridge Holland was the future of this brand? <laughs> uh, just it, it did seem like that for a split second. I'm glad we were wrong. Do you remember when Ridge Holland was drafted to SmackDown? Yes, I do. I do remember that. It blew and, my mind. And it blew your mind on the blue brand. And I don't think he's even appeared more than once or twice since. Yeah, again, I'm not watching Raw and SmackDown regularly at this point in time. Uh, and thank God for that. But I have I have not heard uh, much of, from Ridge Holland. I don't think I've, I haven't heard his name since the draft. I honestly think that it's because he's Uncle H's guy. It might be. It might be, man. Oh, I don't it's know. just crazy, man. All right. Raquel Gonzalez makes her entrance, sends us to break. Um, uh, what happens after this? Uh, the announcers <laughs> tell us that Dexter Loomis has been taken to a local medical facility. I love saying that. After this, I might need to go to a local medical facility. Due to the attack by Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams earlier tonight, Hayes versus Johnny Gargano versus Pete Dunn is set. This takes yeah. us into main event, Dakota yes. Kai, Raquel Gonzalez. So, yeah, they got they got 12 minutes and they copped out on the ending. But I did think this was the best thing on the show to the point of the ending. And the finish to this match, at least, will play into war games. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have to talk about who's going to actually end up in the war games uh, match itself. Boris, what did you think about this one, buddy? I thought this match was just fine. Uh, both women are super talented. Raquel Gonzalez, like, honestly, like, you know, when it's all said and done, she's legitimately one of the better performers out there right now. Um, you can't, you can't deny that at this point. At this point, um, I like this match. Uh, so at one point, Kai went to the floor, got the shovel trying to be the best Cody Rhodes, you know, burying everyone. Uh, she brought it into the ring. Gonzalez won't let her use it. Gonzalez takes it away, or, or um, the referee takes it. Uh, Tox Attraction hit the ring, beat her down. Raquel, that is. So somehow, someway, Raquel wins by DQ. So that's uh, the yeah. ultimate cop-out, in my opinion. Oh, I actually, uh, I actually thought it was a no contest. I don't know. Maybe they announced a winner. I guess because uh, they attacked Raquel first, she would technically win by disqualification. But so many people ran out in the end. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're splitting hairs. Eleven minutes and forty seconds before the run in. Uh, so that kind of sucked because it was a lot of time invested for like no real payoff there. But whatever. I thought, yeah, I thought this was. Uh, it was. It was getting to be pretty good. But then the 
shitty WWE ending, pushed it down to average. We're going to Mendoza line this one too, Boris. Two and a half Vaughn Beverly's out of five, 50% uh, Wayne Enos percentage or Mike Bloom or whatever. It was Wayne Bloom, Mike Enos. I forget which one was which. I have no idea what's going on. All right. After the bell, NXT Women's Champion Mandy Rose, NXT Women's Tag Team Champs Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, Triple Team Gonzalez before Kai joins in. <sighs> Cara Jade runs out with her skateboard, pulling her best Darby Allen impression, tries to make the save. Jade threw her skateboard at Kai at one point. Uh, Rose ends up dropping Jade with a clothesline. Jade now, thankfully, is triple team now as Kai applies a submission to Gonzalez and Rose stomps her. Then some music hits. Out comes the injured Zoe Stark wearing a leg brace using crutches. She stops on the entranceway, but then more music hits and it's Io Shirai. Shirai hits the ring with one of Stark's crutches and unloads. Fans are going wild for Shirai. Kai hits Shirai with Jade's skateboard, but the chaos keeps ensuing. Jade and Shirai team up to fight off Kai and Toxic, uh, toxic Attraction. Shirai st is still using the crutch. Gonzalez gets back involved, dumping Kai to the apron. Um, yeah, did it? Did were people chanting "boring" at this point? Or are they chanting uh, like, you know, were they just staring at Cora Jade chanting boring? <laughs> I thought they were chanting war games, not oh. boring. <laughs> are they yeah. saying boring? No, they're saying <laughs> war games. <laughs> war games. War games. No, I, I, I'm I'm 90% sure they're chanting uh, war games. Okay. Gonzalez scoops Dolan and uses her to knock Kai off the apron to the floor. Uh uh, Jade, Gonzalez, and Shirai stand tall in the middle of the ring. Fans are now chanting NXT. Uh, toxic Attraction and Kai are down on the floor. Shirai takes the mic and yells, What? War games, Boris! But uh, this made me actually sad because I think this was the uh, the final proof that William Regal is no longer an NXT character. Because why, why would he not have yelled this if he's at all going to be involved on the show? Exactly. So this made me sad. It has really made me sad. Like, legitimately <laughs> made me endlessly sad. So there we go. And I love Io Shirai, but yeah, agreed, buddy. So Cora Jade is going to be in a War Games match. Yeah. I actually think that they're going to do a thing where they take her out and the tag team, the rave girls, get in. I actually think you're going to get your wish, and she's going to be taken out of this match. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. So, okay, as it stands right now, it's Crazy Kai and Toxic Attraction. Four women right there versus yeah. Io Shirai, Raquel Gonzalez, Cora Jade, and whom else? Yeah, it would have been Zoe Stark, but she just had knee surgery, and I think it was for a torn ACL. So I don't think she's wrestling on December 5th. I no. think that's insane. Yeah. So just by the math, I'm no mathematician, but I believe you're correct. If they do insert party gals, uh, um, Casey um, Catanzaro and uh, the other one, jeez, what's her name? Caden Carter. Caden Carter, sorry. Uh, it's too many K's, too many J's, too many, too, too much sometimes, sorry. Um, it makes sense, right, at that point. 
Yes, yeah, I, 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 and I think that's what's going to happen, and possibly we will see like a dramatic return spot where Cora Jade comes down and does something, gets in the cage somehow, hits like a skateboard related move, and then runs away. Who knows? But I think we're getting the rave girls in this match at the end of the day, and not Cora Jade. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's the case. We'll see what actually ends up happening. But yeah, yeah, does this match excite you, Matt? Um. Yeah, it'll be fine. I don't know. Like we've seen, like Mandy Rose is okay. Uh, I I trust Dakota Kai in the ring. Io Shirai's. We've seen her pop off in these war games matches. I think she's gonna do something insane. It'll be fine. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be similar to the ladder match, which was a, a, an entertaining train wreck. You know. Right. And on the men's, do you think there's gonna be a men's war game? Wouldn't surprise me if Diamond Mine found their way into one, but I, so I don't know what. Here's what kind actually of what I'm left. thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. The chatter that's been going on in NXT is basically us versus them. Us being NXT 2.0 versus them being NXT 1.0. Um, you know, Waller brought up the Indies mocking people. Um, you have Braun Breaker, who's kind of the leader of the pack, woof, 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 of NXT 2.0. Um, you know, they seem to really be building this up. So what I think is going to happen is it's going to be Team Champa versus Team Breaker with two Ks, where Champa has NXT 1.0 guys. And Breaker has NXT 2.0 guys. Interesting. I don't say this to like be snarky. I'm I'm dead serious. Are there enough 1.0 guys left to make that? Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, maybe Dexter Loomis. Maybe okay. So I don't think I, I don't think Grimes. O'Reilly. Cameron Grimes, I guess. I don't think you could split or I guess Cameron Grimes and two cuts and keep well, the whole point. The whole of point team. of this is Von Smackdown is going to beat up O'Reilly in the next couple weeks. He's going to join the new guys. It's going to be Braun Breaker, Von Wagner, uh, Waller, and uh, I don't know who else it could be. Hey, LA Knight can join the 1.0 team. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I I think that's actually a very interesting story. I think there's a lot of intrigue there. <laughs> so, of know. course, they won't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They won't do it, and if they do do it, NXT 2.0 is going to dominate. The match is going to be over like before the match even starts. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. Oh, man, yeah, so that's a pretty good... You know what? You've talked me into being kind of excited for War Games. I'm at least interested to see where they go over the next couple weeks and, building the show. And that would explain why we have you know these matches prior to the actual, quote-unquote, special event. Yeah, you know what, man? If they are going to do that, they're going to have to turn Vaughn Wagner literally, I think, next week yep. because there's there's only two weeks left before War Games. Yep. So if if that if you're right, we should we should put a pin in this. We should see they're turning him next week. If you're correct, and on, it on could your still fantasy be the book. week after. You know, the the 2.0 team can have one extra spot, and Vaughn Wagner could you know pledge his allegiance to Kyle O'Reilly, but ends up stabbing him in the back in the like who gets the last entrant. Yeah, I would think that they'd want one week of like establishing the heel character before it's he actually gets the match. It's but who WWE. knows? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Anyway, I thought this was a bad NXT, but uh, there were some there were some moments. There were some some flashes of brilliance. Yep, flashes of brilliance. All right, like honestly, like it's okay. It's developmental. Just I really wish that the matches would get a little bit more time. And Cameron Grimes is just an absolute professional. He is a professional wrestler, Boris. Yep. Anything else you want to say about 
this NXT 2.0 episode before we move to the best hour of WWE TV. Nope, nothing. I am ready to forget that this one existed forever. All right. It's time for NXT UK Corner, where when we, where we, when we, where we, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, talk about NXT UK, the best hour of WWE TV each and every week. Thank God for this hour, because uh, number one, it's entertaining, and number two, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, man. It, it, never, well, it never disappoints. It's at least pretty good, and oftentimes it's great. There's a couple awesome promos. There's a really good main event, and sometimes you'll even get a really good opening match, too. There's some interesting characters. There's a lot going on. Yep. All right. Just like the show, we're going to kick things off right away. Um, the first match of the night was Nathan Frazier versus Mark Andrews with Flash Morgan Webster and Danny Luna, a.k.a. Subculture, in his corner. Uh, this was, uh, you know, a dream match is too strong, but Ben Carter versus Mark Andrews is a pretty interesting little contest here. I actually like this. Nathan Fraser, uh, the former Ben Carter, he's uh, on the Internet. The chatter is kind of like he's kind of screwed up coming to WWE NXT UK. You know what I mean? Like his career could have really skyrocketed if he went to AEW, perhaps, but also maybe not. He might have been like a Lee Moriarty who's like getting some play, but I would argue that Nathan Fraser is at least as good or better off than Lee Moriarty is at this moment right now. At this moment right now, yeah. The thing is, Lee Moriarty is being like... I, see, this is the issue with AEW at this point, and I, I really didn't want to get there, but you brought it up, and it's the roster is just getting way too big. There's not enough room and not enough TV for everyone. Anyways, this match was fun. I really enjoyed this match. Um, I really enjoy subculture in general. Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan Webster, even Danny Luna. Those three are really good. And like we've been teasing, or like WWE has been teasing, we've been talking about week over week. It does look more and more like they are going heel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this group is going heel. It's a matter of when, not if. But uh, yeah, I, I actually I quite enjoyed this uh, this match a lot. I thought it was very very good. Ten minutes and twenty seconds it went. So they gave, they gave him a good amount of time, and it, yeah, it was it was what you would expect out of Mandrews versus Ben Carter, aka Nathan Fraser. They they delivered. Yep, and Mark Andrews won with his fall to pieces, aka a shooting star press. No, actually, Mark Andrews won by uh, reversing the La Maestral oh, cradle. Yeah. Yes, yes, you're right. So, yeah, uh, Fra Fraser tried to hit him with a La Maestral, and then, yeah, Mandrew sat down out of it and reversed it, got the pin himself. It'd be a very entertaining match. I would go three and a half supernovas out of five for this one, 70%, and no Amdar percentage, better than anything on NXT 2.0. Oof, yeah. Uh, we look back at the confrontation between NXT UK champion Ilya Dragunov and Rampage Brown. Uh, Sam Gradwell had some choice words about A-Kid this week. A-Kid interrupts Gradwell's interview and calls him out for a match. I like A-Kid's super soft-spoken babyface persona. It's very unique. He's uh, he's the only he's the only wrestler doing that. Yep, yep. 
Um, NXT UK tag team, tag team champions Pretty Deadly are having some fun learning how to move and groove like the guys from Magic Mike. They'll find out where their future stands after today's number one contenders match. We've said it before. They're the British Edge and Christian, man. They're really they're really figuring out the character work. I like this team a lot. They're very entertaining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a team that I would love to see on the main roster right now. Yes, exactly. I, I would like to see them get that chance because I think they would deliver as much as they were allowed to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kenny Williams is seen writing a message about Shaw Samuels. Williams and the production crew hear a bunch of racket coming from Saxon Huxley. Williams tries to tell him to quiet down. If you're not familiar with Saxton Huxley, his gimmick is Bruiser Brody he, or, or the Berserker or something. He's just running around, throwing things backstage, yelling nonsense with a crazy long hair and beard. Yep. Uh, Stevie Turner versus Danny Luna from Subculture. This match was pretty good. Um, pretty short match, but uh, this match was just, just exactly what it needed to be. Uh, so Luna ends up winning this match. Yes, she wins with her like fireman's carry into a powerbomb thing, which I believe Evil calls Darkness Falls, I think is that move. Yep. It's I love that move. It's awesome. Yeah, Danny Luna wins in five minutes and ten seconds. I would go three supernovas out of five for this one. So it's above average match, above average professional wrestling presentation. Uh, squash, if you will. But uh, yeah, Danny looked really strong. Yep. Um, and a very fun... Man, honestly, Nina Samuels... Rockstar. She is so freaking good. Um, so she gets herself in trouble. She's talking some trash about Aaliyah James. Uh, James is actually hearing this entire conversation. Um, James tells Samuel she's going to ask Sid Scala for a match. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that too. Nina Samuels is, like you said, a star. I kind of like her goofy. Yeah, it could it could work on the main roster. She's she's a little goofier, but she's the new Billy Kay. And I realize how how crazy it is to say she's a little goofier. Maybe that's wrong. <laughs> Billy Kay was pretty goofy. She's yeah. on the Billy Kay level, though. Yeah, she's on the Billy Kay scale. The yes. Billy Kay scale. Anyways, uh, Gallus. The Billy Kay dar. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Uh, Gallus proved. <laughs> I made it up on the spot for us. I did anyway. <laughs> Uh, Gallus plans to prove their alliance is stronger than Teoman and Rajas. Uh, Blair Davenport runs into Danny Luna, who she feels is beneath her. She refuses to celebrate Luna's winning match. Yeah. I, I, so they're not going baby face, or they're not going heel yet. They're staying baby face because Blair Davenport is the strongest heel on the. NXT UK roster, arguably. She's definitely the strongest in the women's division, so... Yeah. Um, and this leads us into the number one contenders match for the NXT Tag Team Championship as Dave Mastiff and Jack Stars uh, go up against Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter and go up against Mustache Mountain, go up against Symbiosis. Yes, sir. So, yeah, 14 minutes all action. This was like a, this was like an explosion. This was like a car crash. This was is a lot of fun. Just craziness all over the place. And uh, yeah, you know, it was if if you're into these kind of all action 
tag matches. This was good. All eight guys had a chance to shine. Everyone got their shit in as it was. And yeah, I thought this was very entertaining. This was by far and away the best match that we talked about on the podcast today. Yeah. And here's the thing. I say that even knowing that Mustache Mountain was going to win this match. Yeah, it was never in doubt as soon as they got added to it. If you just look at the the four teams on paper, it's obviously going to be these guys. And I think they are going to have a pretty good match with Pretty Deadly. Are they going to break them up? Is this it? Is this going to be the end of Mustache Mountain? I think so. If not now, then soon. But this has been coming for a while. Basically, the entire time that we've been reviewing NXT UK, we've been talking about this. I think on like the first or second episode, they started it. So maybe even before that, but that was the first we'd seen of it. But anyway, yeah, I thought this was a very strong match. We're going to go as high as three and three quarter supernovas out of five. It is a 75% crumpage, a 75% no am I said crumpage, not crumpet. But if you wanted to crump to this one, you could too, Boris. Yeah, this match was great. This entire show was great. Thank you, NXT UK, for constantly delivering. And NXT 2.0, good effort. Job well done. <laughs> Job done. Job done. I don't know about well done. Yeah, job <laughs> done. All right. All right, buddy. So, yeah, we got lots coming for you on BAM next. We're uh, doing some, uh, I think we're going to work in the top 10 Eddie Guerrero matches of all time. Shout out to the great Eddie Guerrero. We're also going to do a little a little brief review of full gear, talk about what we liked, what we disliked. And, uh you know, I think uh, I, I think we have a lot of sports to get through. We got to talk about Canada beating Mexico in soccer last night. We have lots to get to, buddy. It's gonna be yeah, a we, fun bam. Yeah, it's gonna be bamerific, bamtastic, bamnifico. <laughs> some would say. Some would. Some would. I would. I like bamtastic. Fantastic. All right, so that's Thursday. Then Friday, you're gonna have all elite weekly. Your old fucks talking all things. AE dubs dynamite then on Saturday no more fuck daddies the fuck daddies are done that show is that that Saturday is over because we have your smack daddies coming with your smackdown review and then we have the newest addition to the SNME radio podcasting crew as dark side of the elite have your rampage rollout yeah very excited to have them on board um yeah and congratulations to the dudes Yep, and then on Sunday, obviously, it is the mothership, the mother show, mama show, Jason Agnew coming with Sunday night's main event, the main show, um, talking all things Survivor Series, and just remember that after Survivor Series, as a patron, you will be getting a link to the after party, and what's cool is that we are inviting everyone to watch but you have to be a patron to join in on the call because we're going to be broadcasting over YouTubes and over other uh, platforms this time, you know, just to make it more, get get it out there. But to be part of the action, to ask questions, to give your feedback, you have to be a patron. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, so, you know, but it'll be fun to get out there. I'll definitely try to give that a look-see on uh, Saturday night, Sunday night. Sunday. One thing we have to discuss, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer is, what are we going to do about war games? Is it just going to be a podcast? Is it going to be an after party? I'm leaning more towards podcast, but we'll figure that out. If you know, let, let's test people. If you're still listening, let us know what you want after party or podcast. Um, and yeah, BallerGear.ca for all your uh, SNME and NXT talk. 
merch. He's Matt. I'm Boris. The show is NXT Talk, where we talk all things NXT 2.0. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah.